0: Welcome to the Growth Lab. I am Taj Singh, personal growth enthusiast, world traveler, sales professional, on a spiritual journey to live my highest expression. This podcast is meant for individuals looking to evolve in all aspects of their lives. I interview leaders and coaches that have a passion to grow beyond the status quo and expand into their highest potential. Let's dive into it as we help you get 1% better with every episode. What's up, everyone? Super pumped to announce our guest for episode 19, bill Moore. Bill is a true entrepreneur. In college, he created Rollins Real Estate Rentals with another fellow alumnus. That was his first venture. His next venture was Doorstep Delivery, a restaurant delivery service comparable to Grubhub or DoorDash, but way before those guys. bill and his partners sold the company in 2019 for $321 million. The high only lasted about a month after 10 years of hard work, and since that time, Bill is on a mission to help everyone become entrepreneurs of their own lives. Now, he started more momentum that distills down the key facets of life into five key core areas, mindset, physical health, career and finances, relationships, and emotional health slash giving back. His mission for this is to help everyone fire on all cylinders and be the best versions of themselves. In this episode, we cover Vil's entrepreneur journey and how he got started with real estate, building doorstep delivery and successfully exiting for $321 million in 2019, starting more momentum and distilling down the key facets of life into five core areas. I'm super excited for you to listen to Will's story. His purpose really comes from a pure place, and after listening to this episode, you'll know his enthusiasm and excitement for life and all that it has to offer. So let's dive right in. Will, thank you for being on an episode of Growth Lab. Thank you, sir, Tej, <laughs> This is a pleasure. I'm super glad to be here, man. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this episode. I'm glad. Uh, shout out to William Glass for introducing. Bill and I uh, for this episode. I'm really looking forward to uh, for all that, uh, that that you'll offer the audience and and the story that you have. Will. So we were talking about this a little bit prior to the the conversation. Um, entrepreneurship is a big thread in your life. You've done many different ventures, uh, but it's the, the underlying thread and a lot of things that you've done. You were telling me a little bit, and I think that a little bit about entrepreneurship in college and the, the, the compelling event that got you into it. So let's start there. I think that's a good starting point. Uh, and then from there we can kind of follow the story along, but take us back to that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, well, even going slightly before that, you know, I, I would say my actual technical entrepreneurship journey started with Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties, Okay. You even know Gen Zers may not even know what that is. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about when I say Alex? You know? No, no. <laughs> I love it. Anybody that's mid 30s and older would know. Family Ties was an extremely popular sitcom when I was growing up, um, along the lines of like Growing Pains and some of these other ones, which you also may not know because I'm older than you. But bottom line is, the main character was Michael J. Fox. That's where he got or one of the main characters, he was one of the family members where he got his start in TV and movies. And he, uh, he was this young, just kind of just all about entrepreneurship. He was always just kind of a business minded guy trying to figure out, and it was a comedy and it was a half hour sitcom and they just always had these funny bits. And I was like, that, that's cool. That's what I want to be. And so my friends and I, you know, around 12 or 13 started going and knocking on doors. I was living in Bethesda, Maryland, DC at the time. Uh, in the winter, we would knock on doors and say, can we shovel your driveway? In this fall, it was, can we rake your leaves? In the summer, it was, can we mow your lawn? And a lot of times one of the customers we would get, you know, we'd get them for all three seasons because they would be like, you know, I don't do this myself. And you guys can, so we developed a, a nice little business from that. You know, we would just, you know, with all within walking distance, we would have a couple block radius and we had, you know, seven or eight houses that we would do. And we would set out in the morning when, when we had a big snow or, and, and, knock on each door and say, Hey, we're getting started. And so that kind of started it all. And I just became addicted to the whole making money. And, and, and all of a sudden I had this money to buy comic books and I was like, Oh my God, this is (laughs) unbelievable. You know? And I, 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 it was like freedom. Right. And so flash forward to college, I actually ended up having quite a rocky childhood besides that part. Um, won't go too into detail, but bottom line is, by the time I got to college, I was kind of your typical victim. Um, I felt like life was out to get me, and I was my mind was broken. And what's wrong with me? Um, Short story: my mom was an alcoholic and uh, verbally abusive, and so uh, my my parents got divorced very early. We moved around a lot, and so I just had a, a tough time kind of trying to fit in. And so I get to college, and it's like, okay. Uh, something's got to give here, and and I had this moment where I was, I mean, I was, I was essentially suicidal. Like, I mean, it got that bad to where I was just like, I don't want to continue. Like, I'm not like everybody else. There's something wrong with my brain, and I'm never gonna change. There's nothing I can do about it. And I was serendipitously introduced to this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Mister Dale Carnegie, which I'm sure uh, you've heard of, and a lot of hopefully viewers have have as well. And, you know, it was written in, I think, 30s, 40s, maybe, you know, 70, 80 years ago, it still holds up to this day, because it's filled with universal principles that haven't changed, you know, since the beginning of mankind, and and I don't believe will change. And that's kind of what I became obsessed with was these, there's these principles out there. And if you lead your life by them, and so I started using myself as this human science experiment, and I just became this insatiable. Self-help beast, reading, taking notes, testing what was working, noting what didn't, starting the process all over, and really just kind of slowly but surely improving on my life based on these these books that I was reading, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think, Think and Grow Rich. And I mean, just at the time, I was just, anything I could get my hands on that was in the school library. This, this all happened to be in our school library, by the way. Otherwise, who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. not I've ever ended up here, just... I felt like it was very serendipitous. Uh, and one of my professors is the one that actually mentioned the book, just in passing in class. It was this guy I had a lot of respect for. And I, he was one of my idols as a teacher. And he's like, yeah, I read this book when I was young called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he's like, it completely changed my life. Anyway, so moving on to the, and I'm like, I like wrote it down and went right to the library, read it. And so here I am now, you know, flash forward, I'm out of college and you know, I'm, st- I'm still not there, but I'm, I'm starting to kind of figure out some of these universal principles, what it means to be happy for me, for mankind, you know, just in general, how I fit into the world, how I can, you know, make my place in the world and, you know, what it's about, what I want to do with it. And part of it became, you know, I was like, I am going to make a ton of money, right? And this is when, you know, I'm right out of college, I'm 21. I'm like, I am just going to become so filthy rich that anybody that was ever mad at me is going to feel so bad and look so (laughs) stupid and be like, wow, that guy really, boy, did we have him wrong? (laughs) <laughs> the old revenge story. Um, and you know, so, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I just like kind of took all that entrepreneurial stuff that I had from childhood and, and Alex B. Keaton and just wrapped it all up and just started pushing forward with starting a business. And it started with real estate. Uh, I read, I happened to read a book, another book at the time called think and grow rich by by uh excuse me not thinking go rich uh rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki and he talks about passive income generator basically the whole concept you want to master like super wealthy what they've mastered is their money works for them whether whether they're working for it or not right Mm -hmm. passive income generators and you got to figure out how to how to tap into these and what to do his his was real estate was a big one for him and so that's what i did i went into real estate and I, i borrowed some money and I got my, a loan and I bought my first house and I got buddy and we fixed it up and he lived with me. So he's paying the the mortgage and he's helping me fix it up at the same time. And then he unexpectedly had to move out and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to afford this mortgage. And so I just was like, okay, well maybe I can do this again. And I, so I put it up for rent just to kind of see what happened for like for a higher amount than I thought I could get. And this was still close to my alma mater, Rollins College, where I graduated, where William Glass, who introduced us, also went. Um, I know you went to, you went to UCF, I yep. believe. Yep. 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 Right around there. So I put it up for rent, and all of a sudden, I get like four groups of students that are like fighting over the house. And I end up getting more rent than I'd even asked for from this group of four guys. And I thought, holy cow, there's something to this. Because at the time, Rollins, it's a smaller school and the off-campus housing was just like non-existent and people wanted to get, you know, you're a young kid, you're in school, you want to feel freedom. You want to get off campus. You want to, you know, so that especially the juniors and the seniors. So and this and this house had a pool. It was very like young person friendly because I was a young person, right? I was only 22 or 23 myself and it was like a pool and I redid the patio and it was like, very, it was like a paradise for somebody that's like, in there in, in college and um, had fenced in yard for privacy and all this stuff. So I rented that out and I'm like, hmm, there could be something here. So I then did it again. I repeated the process. I got another loan and I bought another house, fixed it up, did the same thing. And I essentially just continued to do that. And I, I, I ended up with about 10 properties um, over the years that I ended up purchasing, fixing up, and renting to students, which I still own to this day. Um, and I ended up going in at one point with one of my colleagues, the 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 roommate of mine that was living with me, he saw what I was doing. He's like, hmm, you know, this is interesting. So we actually went in on a few properties together as well. So I own a few with him, but most mostly on my own. And then meanwhile, while I was doing this, there's this job opportunity came up for a company called Florida Land Partners, which was just this insane concept of an idea, which was basically SUVs lining up, selling land. And a race to whoever got to the land first and put their sold sticker on it, got the piece of land. That's the short version. It's, it's a whole story. But the, the gist of it was it was almost like when, when people told when the, I had a buddy that worked at this company, he told me what it was. I did not believe him until I actually went to an event and saw it. And this was right in the middle of the frenzied real estate boom when everybody was just throwing a dart and you could, you could buy real estate and make money. And so we were buying, our company bought land out in the middle of nowhere. They would subdivide it out with little parcels and we would advertise it heavily over the radio and TV for a month. We would get people from all over coming in. And so we get like hundreds of people for only maybe 15 or 20 parcels. So there'd this be this like frenzy, this FOMO. Fear of missing out, hope of gain, fear of loss type of thing, right? And everybody would just, we, they would get, we would all line up in these SUVs in a, in a perfect line. And it was all, you literally drew numbers that morning so to make it fair for everybody. And it was like, whoever is in the first car just happened to get lucky. And they drew that number and they could go to whatever parcel they wanted. And you would, would drive they, on the radio. Our boss would say, okay, go. And everybody would zoom off to the parcel they wanted. And the customer had to physically take the sold sticker stick it on the sign for it to be theirs. And we had, I mean, let me tell you something. We had customers hiding in the woods. We had customers literally getting in fist fights with one, or, one another, like fighting over trying to get these, these parcels of land. I mean, it was straight chaos. It was a scene right out of that movie Far and Away with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, except when they used to give land out in the 1800s, and it was based on that. But instead of horses where they would ride out and they would put their stake in the ground, it was SUVs, sold stickers, and walkie-talkies insane right so sorry i've been talking a lot is there anything you want to interject with
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no i think this is this is perfect uh you know i I was just going to emphasize and this is interesting because i think this the whole journey just continues right but i want to emphasize that pivot point for you in, in college right like reading that book to that college professor and like i think those pivot points are so beautiful in life right like you go look back it's like that little thing, but that little thing became this big thing, you know, because it kind of was a domino effect that affected the rest of your life. So that that's amazing that you share that. And then, you know, from there, the real estate company, um, you know, started to, to manifest itself, right? Like as you started to get deeper into that. So yeah, continue on. I think that, that, you know, from, from that point on, as you're kind of building the company, um, obviously there's other things that came after it, but yeah, continue, continue the journey. Yeah. I mean, just so, so that was just, that's just such a, a-
1: crazy story that people just love to hear when I tell them they're like that doesn't sound real so yeah that but that that business because it was the 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 height of the real estate boom and we were just selling out this land like we would sell out in 25 seconds like it was like the cars went to the lots the print sold it was all done we'd have 200 people sitting there waiting for the, the next appointment That were like what do you mean you're sold out right and that just created more frenzy for the next land sale that we had and we did these about once a month and I only worked there for about a year and a half. And in that time I was the lead the lead sales um, salesman. Uh, and I want to actually the first prize this is how much money the company was making. I want a brand new Range Rover was, was first prize for head salesman. Um, and I, I earned more money in that year and a half than I ever thought I would in the next 10 years. Right. And I just was like, this is my, my brain like almost exploded. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> like I never thought I'd achieve, you know, this. And at the time now I look back and it was it's a small amount of money based on, you know, what I've been done since then, but at the time, right? It's all relative. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm set, you know, this is this is it. Now I can kind of just sit back and just kind of figure out what I want to do next. And then just as soon as it started the real estate market crashed, that's back in 2007, 2008 the stock market crashed um everything just and so I, I put all the money i made into the stock market right i had this advisor and i was trying to do it the smart way and he was like well you're young so you want to be aggressive right and, you know they have these formulas where the younger you are the more aggressive you want to be in invest so you know i watched my 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 net worth you know get cut in a quarter and so but and that was the best thing that could have happened to me because it just it motivated motivated me right and i was like okay i'm not set i got the fire lit I got to keep going, right? And meanwhile, all my properties are going down in value and I'm getting less rent for them. And you know, So that's when doorstep delivery kind of came into the picture. As, when I was working for that company called Florida Land Partners, we were stuck in the office for sometimes 12 to 14 hours where we literally could not even leave to hardly go to the bathroom, let alone go get food. And so our, our, our lovely HR, Gina, what's her name? girl at the front would order us lunch every day. And it was usually pizza or Chinese. And there's only so much pizza in Chinese a person can eat, especially for somebody like me, I was trying to stay healthy. You know, again, I was reading a lot of these books and I was, you know, physical health was a big part of what I was trying to do. And I was trying to lift lift weights and eat well. And, I, and I'm like stuck in this office eating this crap. And I thought, God, there's got to be something better, but there wasn't. And so I had this idea while I was working there, like, hmm, like a food delivery company like delivering, like the stuff people really want, like sushi. And, and then I want a salad from Panera. I want a soup from, you know, Jason's deli, you know, whatever it is. And went, and then when I, so when I, I actually quit Florida land partners, when I saw the writing on the wall and things started going down, everybody's like, Oh, it'll, you know, it'll come back. It'll be fine. All my, everybody I worked with, um, including my future partner were like, no, 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 you're crazy. Like. We just made all this money. I was like, "No, trust me. Party's over. This is it. Like, this was a bubble, and it just burst. So I'm moving on. So I quit before anybody, and decided I wanted to start this restaurant delivery company. I decided the name Doorstep Delivery. I drew the little logo, and I grabbed my buddy at, at my old job, and I said, "Hey, do you want to do it at Florida Lampers?" He's like, "No way. There's not enough money." A couple of weeks go by where the phones aren't ringing at all at Florida land partners. He realizes, yeah, maybe this isn't so great. And he's like, all right, screw it. Let's do it. So I grab him. He becomes my partner and we just slowly started building this thing. And mm-hmm. at first we did it out of his spare bedroom and we were, we were everything. Right. We were the people taking the, the phone calls and this was right. By the way, this is also timing wise. It's all so serendipitous. The, the iPhone just came out like mm-hmm. the year before. And so all of a sudden you have on your phone, you have this thing where, you know, it's got a GPS and it's got masks before that it was Garmin. So like when we first started, like all we knew about was these, these Garmin GPSs. you had to pay like 150, 200 bucks, strap them on your hood, in your car. And, you know, you, they talk to you and they tell you where you're going. And We thought that was amazing. But then all of a sudden you had in the, in the palm of your hand, not only could you get your directions, the drivers get the directions where they needed to go to, to deliver the food and where the restaurant is. But we could send them the order through the software that we had, and it would show them exactly what they were picking up, where it was going, and it was all very seamless. And we're like, whoa, like, this is it. So it was, it was crazy. When we first started doing orders, Like nobody, you know, hardly anybody had iPhones yet. And even though iPhones were taking off, like, people were putting the two and two together that they could order food. So it was like 90-some percent of our orders were over the phone and andrew and i are doing everything you know we had like three drivers at the time that's what we started with but then when it would rain we needed six drivers so he and i would jump in the car and we'd get our girlfriends to help out you know it was just it was mass hysteria it was insane yeah but we were growing and it was working and we could see that people liked this and, and the product is something that was was in high demand so you know there's a whole nother story i could tell you on another podcast about all the Trials and tribulations, but the gist of it is, we we failed forward. Like we fell on our asses many times. We had a lot of a lot of obstacles get in our way that we're like, oh, how are we gonna get past this one? Um, including one of our, our employees stole all the money from from the business. We had uh, somebody else try to steal our idea that we wanted to partner up with. Like all sorts of things were happening, but we just didn't give up. Like, and that's that's the main lesson I I can probably teach people and and tell people is just persistence, continue to take the action. If you really believe in something, and I mean, to me, that's the big part. Like if you're just kind of half in something, it's gonna make it really hard to succeed because mm-hmm. any business worth its salt, there's gonna be those tough times and there's gonna be those challenges. And if you don't have that wherewithal, that like inner whatever it is that's, that's in humans that allows them to just push through no matter what, you're not gonna make it. There's there's just too much competition in the world. There's too many other people that are willing to do that. Um, you can have the best idea in the world, but you gotta have you're, you're still gonna run into lots of obstacles. So that was like the one thing. And again, I'm reading these books. I got him reading my my partner reading a bunch of these books as well. And he's <clears throat> we're both kind of, you know, we're we're talking each day about the books we're reading and we're doing the business, and we're going into offices, talking to these HR ladies, trying to convince them, hey, you need to buy your entire office lunch, right? So we're trying to get into the corporate catering, which was like a huge revenue stream for us to where, rather than just an individual meal, somebody saying, hey, I want a a meal from bento Chinese. It's, uh, I want to feed my entire office, right? And all of a sudden it's just as easy for us to deliver a thousand dollars worth of food as it is $30 worth of food, but we made 30% on each order. So that thousand dollar, we would make about $300 off of the $10 meal uh, the, excuse me, the $30 meal, we would make, you know, $10 off of. So it was like, okay, we need to get in the, the corporate catering. And just by hitting the pounding and pounding and pounding the, the bricks and, and offices and, and dropping off, we, we made these menu guides that had the menus of each one of our restaurants and we're giving them to the agent. They all seemed to love it, but we weren't really getting orders. And then one day, one magical day, again, like you are talking about earlier, this pivotal point, uh ea ea sports the game designer uh, ordered like two thousand dollars worth of food and it just came through right you know we're just chugging along real slowly you know it's like a year into the business or so year and a half and we get this huge order and We're like what like what is this like what you know and they ordered like all these pieces for, i think it was from mellow mushroom which is i'm sure you're familiar yeah. from from orlando i don't know if they have those all over the all over the U S but anyways, it's kind of high end, cool pizza, like different types of stuff. And they were like, and we were like, what? And so we had to like send six drivers to help and like our whole workforce. And, and it was, you know, it was very sloppy in the beginning in terms of how we got it there and and getting past the security and all this. And, you know, they were, they were a little bit upset because it was kind of late and you know, there's a couple of pizzas were cold, but like me, I got on the phone with the person that ordered and I was like, Hey, thank you so much for ordering. And I, I developed this relationship with her and she was Aaron. I'll never forget her name. She was the prime person that ordered their lunch. She's like, yeah, it just happened to somebody handed me your menu guide. And I was like, Oh, this is a good idea. We have all these programmers that are sitting here coding for us. Like they need to eat. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so they became like, they switched our entire, they, that was the game changer for doorstep delivery we started getting orders from them just about every single day, um, 2000, 5,000, you know, $6,000. And all of a sudden, you know, now we're making money and now it's like, whew, we can like breathe a little bit easier. We can hire some more drivers. We can spend some more money on uniforms. We can buy car toppers, you know, so that kind of allowed us to get to that next level. Um, the worst of delivery. So that was neat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is fascinating, right? Like a couple of, couple of pivots at the, I mean, your timing is impeccable, right? Like (laughs) leaving real estate at that point, you know, that was interesting what you mentioned. And I want to carry the story onwards, but backing up really quickly, you mentioned when, when that bust happened, right in 2007, 2008, like you found the courage to keep going and you're like, okay, this is, I'm going to turn this into motivation rather than you know, just, just kind of backing up and not moving forward. And what was, what was that driver that kept you going? Was it just being young and just, you know, having that drive was it reading the books? Like, what, what was it that, cause you could have went the other direction, right? You could have saw your net worth lose it by 75% and completely, you know, shut down. What, what was it that like you question?
1: Said, yeah. You know, uh, the, the short answer is, I don't know, you know, the, Exactly. I I definitely think that the the books I was reading certainly played a part because I at that point I'd already been I call it a a, a fixed victim mindset versus a growth owner mindset mm-hmm. and the fixed victim is what I was telling you earlier I had in college it's that sort of my brain is broken there's nothing I can do about it I was born the way I am and you know oh um hopefully I don't you know get hit by a car and you know maybe I'll hit the lottery you know it's like just hoping that something's gonna save you versus switching to that growth owner mindset, which is, okay, I was born with certain strengths and certain weaknesses, just like everybody else. I'm going to learn how to limit and outsource my weaknesses. I'm going to focus on my strengths and my passions and figure out how to, and I'm going to use goals and and basically uh, make sure that my ending point where I want to get to, I have a plan and a system to get there. And I'm not going to take no for An answer. Obstacles are temporary roadblocks waiting for solutions, and I'm just going to kick ass and take names until I do. And and that doesn't happen overnight, but that's where I I was already starting that shift into that mindset. And that's that's why it's the first core out of your five cores that I now teach and talk about. Yeah, Um, because you got to get your mindset right. You got to get your mindset going in the right direction. It's your perception. It's your confidence. It's your overall attitude. The way you see the world and yourself. And if you don't have that going for you, everything becomes incrementally harder. So at that point when real estate hit, you know, I, I fortunately, I think gotten over the hump where I was like, okay, I got this, I can do this. And so that was a major setback, but there was still that part of me that was like, okay, I'm still awesome. Like, okay, know, yeah. <laughs> I can still, I, I can still, I, I've made money before I can do it again. And at the same time, I actually, <clears throat> even though it sucked at the time, like I look back and Having, knowing like how I wasn't going to pay my next bills, you know, like just motivated the hell out of me. And, and that's just, I don't know if that's something that's, I was born with, or, or if that came from this type of stuff I'm talking about, but that's definitely what happened. And it was like, okay, the going got tough and I was going to figure out a way to get out of it come hell or high water. Right. And then I came up and like I said, I had this idea. I'm like, I know there's something here. And I was telling people and they're like, yeah, that's a really good idea. You know? And then even after I started, if I had a dollar for every time, after I started the business and was actually making money and been doing it and put all the blood, sweat and tears, people being like, Oh, you're so lucky. I had that idea. You beat me (laughs) to it. It's like, no, no, that's not, that's not how it works. It's not just the idea. It's being able to take that idea and put your heart and your soul and everything into it. And do whatever it takes to actually bring that to fruition. That's the hard part. And that's what people are always trying to sell people for nine 99, the elixir to life. Hey, I can tell you how to become successful. Just like that. No, that's there's, there's no such thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Now I appreciate you like going through that or just kind of, cause I love those stories, right? Like those points in life where you're able to kind of pick up and you bounce back stronger. Right. And obviously the, the door, yeah. doorstep delivery, paid off right like that decision paid off in in, in the long run of, of kind of hitting a b- bottom but then coming back even stronger um, and I do want to carry that story forward right uh, you know uh, I, I personally know that you had a very successful exit out of that but what happened in the middle from there because you mentioned things started to roll right but then there's also something else that happened after you had the exit so I want to get to that too at the time that we have um, but yeah it kind of fill us in as, as in, in, a, in a summarized way like what happened from the point of EA sports (laughs) kicking it off and you started to get momentum in the business and then, uh, you know, the, the exit, and then we can kind of move it forward from there.
1: Okay. Sure. So, uh, right. So flash forward, you know, 10 years, um, we, we were, we were gaining the momentum. Not only did we do well in Orlando, we then got some partners and from Gainesville and Tallahassee. So we opened up and they actually had their own markets and then they switched their name to, um, to what we were doing. And we partnered up with them, and we actually created Mark. Uh, we 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 basically went into cities all throughout Florida and the Southeast. So in the end, ten years later, we had 19 cities that we were in, um, and they were all you know run by either corporate, which was us. There was four of
0: us. And sorry and to underwear. interject. Well, one thing I want to add, as people are listening, this is pre Uber uh, you know, Uber eats and stuff, right? Like just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We haven't given that context, but this kind of adds a whole different level of you know, importance to what you were doing back then is that this is way before all of these apps came out. Right. You know? That's right. Yeah. Grubhub.
1: Yeah. Grubhub, Uber eats. None of that was even on the right, None of that yeah. was even any, anywhere. Um, so Grubhub came out probably, you know, six years into when we were open. Um, and then Uber eats even after that. And, you know, but when they did explode, which I was just about to get to, so that was a a good segue, you know, all of a sudden these, we bootstrapped this as I just told you, right? I mean, it was blood, sweat, tears, working out of my buddy's, um, spare bedroom to a bigger office, to an even bigger office, to an even bigger office. Like, you know, and then all of a sudden we have corporate brand locations in other cities and we have franchises. We actually sold the franchise model. So we had all these branches and then all of a sudden, Uber and Grubhub and even Amazon for a while had its own restaurant delivery and, you know, DoorDash, all these companies just start coming out of the woodwork and it was like the hot thing and billions of dollars were being thrown by investors at these companies and we straight up, again, I I had a a come to Jesus moment just like I did with the real estate market where I'm like, this is not going to end well for us. (laughs) Uh, you know, and, and again, I went to my partners just like I did at Florida land partners. When I, when I told people, I was like, I'm quitting and they're like, you're nuts. And I went to my partners. I was like, guys, we got to sell. Like we got to get out. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, no, these companies aren't running things the right way. They're not, you know, doing this. I'm like, look, it doesn't matter how they're doing it now. They'll figure it out. They'll adjust. Cause we were like proud because we had our insulated, our double thick thermal insulated bags with hot and cold <laughs> compartments. We had our uniforms and we had... You know, we're like, oh, there's these guys just Grubhub's just showing up sometimes without even the, the right uniform and they don't have these bags. I'm like, they'll figure it out, like, <laughs> they have the money to do it. We cannot compete. And so, I actually on my own went out and started just hitting my Rolodex of people that I had talked to in the past that I could potentially either partner up with or get a deal out of. I reached out to Grubhub, reached out to a few of these other companies. Uh, Grubhub made us a very insulting offer. Uh, they said, Oh yeah, well, yeah, we'll buy you for basically pennies on the dollar. Otherwise we're going to come in and put you out of business. So take it or leave it. Right. And <laughs> so we were like, F you guys. Um, so we ended up partnering this one gentleman who I just so happened to cross markets in Miami. It was a company called bite squad. They were based out of Minneapolis and we both had a, a an RDS, theirs was there's was bite squad ours was dorset delivery setup in miami so we were competing against each other and one day this guy just like a year before had reached out and was like hey man i just wanted to introduce myself my name's arash he's like I, I know we compete in the same market um but you know we're i'm an open book if you ever want to talk to me like and i just really respected the way he did it because like nobody else did that right you're competing with somebody you're like oh they're the bad guys they're the competitors and i just was like you know this guy's kind of more like look there's there's enough for two let's work together let's let's synergize like let's not you know fight each other and i just really liked how he handled it so i reached out to this guy and i said look you know you see what we're seeing he's like yep and you know they were about the similar size company at the time they were in about 16 or 17 markets minneapolis was their their biggest and i said you know what what about joining forces combining and they had just again serendipitously one of these moments they had just been talking to somebody about raising money so that they could compete and they'd already started the process of getting getting some money like 15 or 20 million i think at the time was the first amount they raised um to kind of really just get their software to a better place so that it rivaled these other guys and because their software was better than ours for sure and one thing that i left out we actually developed our own software along the road that was a nightmare it was it, it was an app that took five years to develop and cost ten times as much as we thought it would, and in the end, it worked, but it still wasn't awesome. So I learned a lot of lessons there. But anyways, their software, these guys were software guys. That's how they started. Before they, they weren't res, delivery guy, restaurant delivery guys or anything. They were software guys, and they created the software first, and then they went and started the business. And I was like, that's brilliant, and their their software was really good. So we partnered with these guys and they basically, they essentially, it was a deal where we kind of merged and then we had this money and then we just started buying these companies, these smaller companies that were out there like ours, but even smaller that were like seeing what we were, which is the Grubhub and Amazon and DoorDuck, uh, you know, Uber Eats and DoorDash are coming to eat them, yeah. uh, you know, figuratively and literally, right? And, and it was like, hey, either join us and we're going to get, our, our mission is to get big enough to get on stage one of these bigger players radar and get bought or just continue doing your thing and and hope that you don't get put out of business with the next, you know? Um, I mean, that sounds a little harsh. That's not how we said it, but you know, that was the basic idea. And so we did start picking up a bunch of these, these markets. Uh, We started purchasing a bunch of these markets around the U S and we grew to 50 or 60, I believe. And, um, and then we did, we got on the radar of a company called, waiter holdings out of louisiana which tillman for titta who is uh he owns God, i'm gonna butcher this he owns one of the one of the nba teams he's a restaurateur he owns a bunch of different restaurants he's a billionaire um and he was kind of behind this and he's like all right he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a go and so he bought us for a combined 320 23 million i believe 21 million at the time. So this was last February the deal finally went through. So this this whole thing was from when we so I started partnering to talking to uh Bite Squad and Rosh about the partnering to growing it over that was like a 3 year period and then we got on the radar of these guys, they bought us um, and then we officially exited uh, you know in February. When I say officially exited, you know, our our company joined with theirs. But we still had half stock, so I still had half stock and half cash. So I got half in cash, half in stock, and so that was interesting how that played out. I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but I had to. I had, we had a six month holding period, so again, it felt like when I the, back in the day when the real when I had all that money from real estate and the stock market crashed, I had to watch this thing at the time. Just so happened, Grubhub was doing poorly, and so we were the we were only the second publicly traded company on the Nasdaq for uh, restaurant delivery service. There was nobody else besides Grubhub was the first, and then it was us. And We just we, we went public in like uh, November of the previous year, so only like three or four months earlier. And then they bought us, and the, the price shot up, right? And So it was like 10 or $11 when they bought us, and we had a six-month hold where we couldn't touch it. And we literally just watched this thing go down and down and down, I just watched my net worth go boop, 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 boop. So, and it ended up, it got as low as like 23 cents. Okay, It was being priced as a bankrupt company because Grubhub was doing so poorly. Their first two earnings, um, Waiters, the, the company that bought us, first two earnings reports were absolutely abysmal uh, because, you know, they're doing all these transition things. And at the time they actually didn't have great leadership. They then since uh, got rid of the old leadership, brought new ones in, they've turned things around and then it slowly started going back up. It actually got back up to six bucks and now it's, it's kind of back down to like 250 or so today. Uh, but, you know, so, but the the important thing is when I got that, even that day that I got that check and and on paper, I was worth a certain amount of money. I was like, okay, I've done it. Like, this is what it's all been about. Like, and it felt amazing. Cause you know, it's like, I've been pursuing this, like build a company, sell it for a huge amount of money where technically I wouldn't have to work for the rest of my life for so many years. And, but what I already knew in the back of my mind is because I've been reading all these books and been leveling up in other areas of my life simultaneously is that it didn't last. And, you know, 30 seconds later, it was like, okay, now what? And I was like, shit, you know, and it was like, okay, this is, this is, this is life. And it just, I had this epiphany and I was like, I have to share this with the world and I have to have other people see what I've seen. Um, what I've been through so that they, they, they don't make the same mistakes of just, cause most people never get to that, that prize that I got to, and they just spend their lives just like a hamster on a wheel chasing that just more and more and more, and they never get there. And then they miss out on all this other stuff. So fortunately I had been working on my other, I, I didn't even know they were what they called cores at the time. I didn't develop all this until after I sold the company. I was like, okay, I want to put this together into a system Um, that incorporates how I've been doing things using my, you know, these notes, these thousands of pages of notes that I've been taking over the course of the years and these different principles, these universal truths. And I want to put it all into something that people can, can read themselves and 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 or experience and, and be able to, to use effectively. Because one thing I found in all these books I was reading, everybody had a different system, right? So it's like, it was really hard to sort of be like, Okay, I'm gonna use that guy's system, or I'm gonna use that guy's system because it was like you're reading about these successful people, and and the one thing they all have in common is they all figure kind of figured it out on their own. And I'm like, why do we have to figure it out on our own? Like, why can't we have kind of a universal system using universal principles that can help us and start early so that you don't develop these uh, these bad habits early, but start early enough to where those bad habits don't latch on and and follow you throughout the rest of your life. But instead, you're starting to develop the good habits at an earlier stage so that those continue to help you build momentum and head towards that person that you want to be in that happy, successful, you know, fairy tale life that, you know, we all we all want. And so I kind of separated them into these cores. And like I said, I'd already been kind of physical health with something. I I'd, just I'd gotten a good handle on it. I was working out regularly. I was I was eating well, vitamins, doing the things that I'd learned along the way. My relationships, um, you know, at this point I was married. I, have, I now have two small children, and, and I feel good about how that played itself out and, and my friendships and my acquaintances. And then, you know, uh, emotional health and giving back in terms of making sure that I'm not just going through life with a chicken with like a chicken with my head cut off, but I'm stopping to, to smell the roses and I'm enjoying the things that spending time and scheduling in the things that I really truly enjoy and love just being like, wow, it's been six months since I've played golf and I love golf. Why aren't I doing that? Like, these are just all things that just, they, they just happen and life passes us by. And all of a sudden we're just in these ruts and we're in these routines that aren't helping us. And so I divided it into these cores. Um, so it's mindset, career and finances, relationships, physical health and emotional health and giving back are the five. And there's habits that we've developed in each. And so I made it my mission to sort of help people to undo the failure habits, as I call them, that they've developed in each of these five course and replace them with success habits. So to step out of what I call your failure loop, where you're building negative momentum in the wrong direction, and into your success loop to build that positive
0: momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that, that's so fascinating. And and was it really thirty seconds? You know, was it that quick that you know when you did have to no. exit? <laughs> no, <laughs> exaggerated.
1: Like, I, I <laughs> it, it was it was probably more like a month.
0: A month. So yeah.
1: Realistically, it was. Put it this way. I mean, that first week was euphoria. Yeah. And then slowly over the course of the month, and I just like I I literally just I did I just took off and I did all the things I'd wanted to do for ten years. I was playing golf. I was taking naps in the middle of the day. You know, I was like, I was like, not, you know, semi-retired kind of like, oh, I can finally, like, it was like an anchor had just literally been taken, like the Titanic had been yeah. taken off of my shoulders. And I was like, oh. right. And so, you know, that, that lasted for, you know, three to four weeks where I was just loving it. And then slowly but surely I started getting like that kind of itch, like, okay, now what? Like, okay. So, so, so I, I can't just sit around drinking pina coladas for the rest of the <laughs> That doesn't work, right? Yeah. And, and that's when I actually, there was this app years ago that I discovered and I have a picture of it right here. Luckily, I took a screenshot of it. It's no longer in the app store, but somewhere along my journey, I found this app called The Meaning of Life. And you open up this app and it was literally just one picture. That was, that was the entire app. And at, across the top, it said, we strive for more. And then there's a circle, a semi-circle arrow pointing to because we feel dissatisfied. And then another semicircle completing the circle pointing back up to we strive for more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically we strive for more because we feel dissatisfied. We feel dissatisfied because we strive for more. And like, I read that. And I remember feeling depressed about it and being like, God. So basically the way I looked at it was, we're never going to be happy. Like we want more, but no matter how much we get, we're going to feel dissatisfied. And because we'll feel dissatisfied, we're going to want to go out and get more. And you're just like stuck in this, like, like I was saying, like this hamster wheel, but then, then it hit me that that's actually, depending on how you look at it, it's a good thing. And that if you look at it, that, you know, we strive for more meaning like you always want to have goals. You always want to have something that you're reached, that you're, that you're working towards. Otherwise you're not going to feel whole and you're not going to, be feel complete and so as long as you are continually taking action and working towards something even if you hit that goal then you just set another one and then you hit that goal you set another one and each one in itself it's the journey that's satisfying it's not the getting there and drinking the pina colada it's that like you're you're every day you're into what you and obviously you want it to be something that you're you incorporate your strengths and your passions, um, that you're enjoying doing, you know, you're not going to always enjoy every day. Like even now, even though I'm doing what I've chosen to do and I love there's days that are tough. That's just part of it. Right. But you're constantly taking steps. You're taking action. You're moving, you're gaining momentum. The law of compounding is taking over and that you're becoming the person that you want to become and you're becoming happier and more successful you know, firing on all cylinders with all of your cores. And so to me, it's figuring out these five cores, continually building momentum in them by getting rid of failure habits, replacing with success habits. And then in your career and finance part, having some sort of goal of like, this is, even if it's like not make it doesn't have to be money related, but if it's like, I want to go out and I want to, I want to help a million people somehow. Right. And you just figure out how to do it. Right. Are you, are you going or are you, are you, donating your time at the local shelter. Are you, are you a big brother for, for, for the big brother, you know, like whatever it is. So anyways, yeah. You know, and, and this meaning of life bottom line is like, I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. You people, you just got to keep moving forward. You got to have goals. You got to be you know, taking action every single day. And the moment you stop moving, you die. It's over. Yeah. You know, you lose momentum. You get, you get um, complacent, and, you know, that's when it's over. And you see it like in older people, like the less they move, the, 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 like, the more rapidly they do. They just, they die. Like it's the older people you see that are, are exercising, that are out there socializing, that are, you know, technically living their five cores, right? Have some sort of purpose. Like they're, they're, they, they go to a, a volunteer thing every day and, you know, cause it, it, but they're, 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 they're moving both in their mind and in their physical body. And that's just one of those universal truths that will be, has been around since the beginning of time and will be around till the end. And that's kind of what I've centered everything I'm doing around and to cap it off. I mean, basically now what I'm really trying to incorporate is the gamification aspect of it all, taking science and technology into the 21st century and using these phones and, and these things that we're all addicted to anyways, and saying, Hey, let's, let's have fun leveling up. And learning good habits, and becoming the person we want to be. It doesn't have to feel like homework. And this all started because I was, had my own system, and I kind of went to go online and, and look for apps to kind of make it easier because I was doing it on an Excel sheet, and I was like, there's got to be something easier. And there's tons of habit apps out there, but they all feel like homework. None of them are, are, are give you that kind of gratifying feeling like you're, you're playing, like you're tricking your brain into having fun while learning the habits and holding yourself
0: accountable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, what I love about your story, Bill, um, is just, you know, when you talk about somebody reaching the pinnacle of success and then kind of having that moment of like, what now? You know, everyone kind of has their own hero's journey. Um, and then, you know, in, in some ways, people always think, no, like if it was more money, then it would have been like something different, you know? Like, you know, so I love your story because you've had the same realization and had the the, the, the bucket loads of money, but then it was like, wait, you know, a week of that, two weeks of that, four weeks of that. It's like no, there's there's got to be more. I've got to live this life in a more fulfilled way, right? So I I love having your example uh, because I've had you know some guests you know have that kind of a, a breakthrough, but in a different way, right? Like in their own own respective ways. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. And then um, you know, obviously, we're running out of time. Um, but, you know, perhaps we'll do a second part to jump into more momentum, right? And then the five core areas right, that you mentioned. So that's kind of like what you, so you came off of that, spent a month just chilling, just hanging out, you know, living the, the, the best life that you could. And then, you know, you jumped into, Hey, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a system to keep myself fulfilled. Right. And that's where five, you know, five core areas started to come in and more momentum. And The the five areas you mentioned was mindset, physical health, uh, your career and finances, relationships, and then emotional health and giving back, right? Those are the five key areas that you've identified is the, if you kind of find equilibrium or you focus on all five areas, then you will live a fulfilled and happy life.
1: That's That's exactly right. And you know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't make this stuff up, right? Again, these I've taken just bits of like the thousands of books I've read over time, and, and podcasts, and, and seminars, and I've just sort of taken the best of the best, and I've combined it. and And I'm like, these are, these are all things everybody, all these people are saying, but I've like, tr- I'm trying to simplify it because we're living in an ADD generation. It's extremely hard to get young people, especially, attention and for more than you know, 0.5 seconds. And so it's like, all right, you can't write a thousand page book anymore and expect people to read it. Right. And so even though there is a book component of what I'm doing, um, you know, that's almost more for my own sanity and, and, and just, I have like, it's been a book for 25 years. I got to finish the book. It's got, I got to get it on paper. I want all the words written out, but then I also know that if it's going to go viral and and it's going to really hit the masses and it's going to become a movement, the momentum movement, it's gotta be that sort of gamified, quick, easy, fun, to use type of thing. And so it's just five areas, right. And I'll, I'll be hard pressed to have somebody say, Oh, you're missing one. Like even like somebody, some people will call me out and be like, well, where's spiritual in there. I'm like, okay, well that fits into emotional health. Emotional health also incorporates things in your life that fill your soul. And again, that you're passionate about and, and are meaningful to you and you're incorporating them. And if that's spirituality, then that's one of them. If it's not, if it's something else, then that's fine. It doesn't have to be. Some people say you have to have spirituality. I don't buy into that personally, because one of the other things I happened to learn in that college, uh, this was, by the way, all at Furman College in Greenville, South Carolina, where this epiphany and all this stuff happened, I then transferred to Rollins College uh, my second year. So I I, I didn't mention that before. But one thing I also learned at Furman University um, from, uh, was I took a Religions of the World course, and I literally learned about every religion on the planet from the smallest tribe in africa that's never had any outside contact with the world to you know hinduism and buddhism and christianity and i was like wow like how selfish is it of me to think that my religion is the only one and everybody else is wrong and i was like how can anybody even possibly think that yet that's how most people think right they think what i believe is right and everybody but that just to me the dangers of religion is it can cause like what's happening with politics. That's sort of me versus you. I'm right. You're wrong. That's what I don't like about it. But I also see a lot of great things that come out of religion, morals and lessons and, and what ways to raise your children and, and values that can come from the teachings of a lot of these great religions. Right. So there's, there's goods and there's bads to everything. But for me personally, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't include that as like, you have to have it because I've seen people that don't have it that are, that that are living, you know, quote unquote, five core life. And people that do have it, that are quote unquote, living five core life. So that's kind of yeah. how I like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's a, that's a discussion, uh, you know, to be had kind of going into the five core, uh, pieces, right. I think we can have a part two just to dive into each one. Cause there's a lot yeah. there. Right. And, and obviously I would, um, I would love to talk about the spirituality piece, not from a religion perspective, uh, but more so what that really means you know, to you and how that ties into the emotional piece because that's been a big component of my life and how that kind of ties in to, to the five core areas, right? So I know you've got to run uh, to pick up your dog. So that's, uh, that's of importance. Yeah, man,
1: he got his teeth, teeth clean and he yeah. got his teeth extracted today. So yeah, pick that little guy up.
0: Yeah. And that falls into maybe the relationships, you know, the relationship with your, uh... Absolutely, right? <laughs> I
1: mean, you know, love tank, you know, routines, all this stuff is super important. Like, yeah, we, if we talk again, I'll, we'll talk about it. Part of, you know, your morning routine is imperative in terms of like building that momentum for the day and starting out on the right foot. And I make sure that every component of my morning routine is something that's helping me. It's a, it's a, it's a success habit. And one of them is filling my dog and my family's love tank. You know, he is my family, so I can just say my family, but he's included in that. Um, and just giving, spending that five or ten minutes in the morning and just wrestling, cuddling, you know, spending that just that quality time, to me, that's invaluable. And it's something that I don't think I could live without at this stage. And, and it's amazing to me, you know, people get in their routines and they don't even see their kids in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of times, not even at night. Um, fortunately, I think now with COVID, it's, it's helping that aspect of it. But then, you know, on the other side, you're going to get people saying, my family's driving me nuts. So, you know, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love that piece. And it's, it's so important. And I love like, I love talking to you, Will, because, you know, when someone says, um, if you had all the money you could, you could have, like, what would you do? Right? Like, and then everyone has their own response. And you kind of live in that in some way, right? Like, you're like, okay, I've got a shit ton of money, but what do I do now? Right? And, and I love the purity of what you're doing now. Is because you truly want to do it and you feel compelled to do it and, and building more momentum in the, the the five core areas and wanting to help other people become better versions of themselves it's coming from a, such a pure place right i't I, I, I think people can get to that uh, without having all the money, but I think for you I, I, love, I love the story behind it and how you've gotten here so I'd love to do another episode at some point. Uh, Thanks, man. Get into the the different core areas, but uh, thank you it's so great. much. Thank you so much for coming on for this episode, sharing your story. Uh, you know, and, and and the ups, the peaks, and the valleys that that you've gone through. Now, really quickly, I know you've got uh, a big social media presence. How can people you know, find you? if they want to engage with you, is it uh, social media? And also if there's a website that people can find you. At. Yeah. So
1: thank you. Yeah. this has been great. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. And I, I would love to, to, to continue to talk. So um, more momentum is my website. M O O R E. Like my last name will Moore, more more momentum.com. Um, and there's a little free life evaluator quiz on there. So you can actually find out where you currently stand in each of your five cores. Uh, real briefly, just a little five-minute quiz, and it kind of gives you an idea of how you're ranking in each and where you're going to want to put your focus to start, get working on those habits. Uh, And then I also have Five Core Life is my uh, Instagram page. Um, It's with the the number five, not spelled F-I-V-E, but the number five core, C-O-R-E-L-I-F-E, life. And that um, is basically just inspirational stories that we find, as well as me um, I do a weekly, a couple weekly broadcasts of me talking about little lessons and things that I'm working on and, and have learned and habits to help other people that are watching to, to help improve their own lives as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So thank yep. you, both for coming on today. And we appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks so much,
1: Tej. Great, great being on. And I look forward to seeing you again, buddy.
0: Yeah. Until episode two, part okay. two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good.